0: Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home.
1: Beyond the the Headlines, this is World Insight.
0: Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tian Wei. The 19th Asian Games is set to roll out in Hangzhou, East China's Zhejiang province, on September 23rd. Focused on hosting a game that is green, smart, economical, and ethical, Hangzhou has prepared well to host the athletes from around the world with an exciting welcome through innovative eco friendly technologies. Featuring ancient heritage and contemporary innovation, the city's unique charm will be on full display during the Games. 王秉持绿色的理念. We follow the ideas of the Green Asian Games to present the first-ever carbon neutral games. At the opening ceremony, we will utilize green methanol regenerated from carbon waste as the dye for the main torch tower, which achieved zero emissions. Secondly, we promote the smart Asian Games. The opening ceremony will be powered by digital technologies to create unique memories for the spectators and audience thirdly the show will highlight cultural appeal as the asian games are a bridge between asian and world cultures to communicate and exchange with one another we hope to send out this welcoming message from Hangzhou, china to asia and the world at the mobile
2: network operator for the asian games we participated in the construction of smart technology in sports venues for its games. Our team have been exploring some innovative operations with 5G network, including the demonstration of a 5G advanced network and passive Internet of Things. In
3: 2010, the Asian Games was held in Guangzhou, South China's Guangdong province. It was Xi's first time working for the Asian Games. In the eyes of the engineer, the progress in communications technology from 13 years ago is huge.
2: When I was in Guangzhou, we were using 3G networks for TV streaming. This year in the Hangzhou Games, as we entered an era where 5G development is booming, I've seen applications advanced technologies such as glasses-free 3D viewing and 8K Ultra high-definition live broadcast. All these technologies will bring a faster and more immersive game-watching experience for the audience. As a telecoms engineer, I feel really proud to see all the progress made real in the events.
3: Behind the presentation of the host city's cutting age technologies, it's a rapid growth of China's digital economy. In recent years, China has quickened its steps in upgrading new infrastructure involving a number of key areas such as 5G networks, big data, AI, and Internet of Things. Given this, China has developed incentives to shore up scientific innovation. Experts also said that as China actively embraces smart and digital economy, new tech application scenarios that once were only seen in sci-fi movies will become real in the new future in sports
0: venues and beyond. In the past decade, China has doubled down on sports development. It has introduced mass fitness programs and policies. That's recognized by the international community, said Tim C. Shriver, the chairman of the Special Olympics International Board of Directors. Early in the year, in Berlin, about 7,000 athletes from 170 countries gathered to compete in 24 sports during the 2023 Special Olympics. World Games. These athletes, individual with intellectual stabilities, are all inspiring examples of strong human spirits in sport. The first Special Olympics was held in Chicago, United States in 1968. And China is the first Asian country to host the event in Shanghai 2007. Mr. Shriver, good to see you.
3: Thank you. Nice to be
0: welcome back. back Thank you. It's wonderful Uh, to be back. How many years
3: it's been four years since I've been here, but uh, uh, you know I've had the great privilege of visiting China probably 20 times in the previous 20 years in deepening the collaboration and friendship between the Special Olympics movement and people throughout the country, and in extending the power of sport to promote inclusion. So it's a joy to be back. Uh, this is a country that has been friendly and welcoming to the Special Olympics movement, and I'm here. Uh, to continue to celebrate and try to grow that same energy and spirit uh, in the future.
0: Yeah. Many memorable moments, isn't it?
3: Unbelievable moments. The World Games, of course, in Shanghai were an extraordinary moment. Uh, 7,000 athletes, uh, the gigantic crowds that came to watch them uh, from all over the world in Shanghai in 2007. The expansion of Friendship Centers in Beijing and Shanghai and many cities, the inclusive centers that are growing in cities around the country, visiting schools, going to national games in places like Xi'an (laughs) and Harbin and other places, and really just celebrating deep friendships. Mm. Uh, This is a message I think that's so important in the world today, that where others see barriers, in our movement, we've always tried to build bridges. And uh, the friendships that have grown here have led to significant and meaningful change for people with intellectual challenges in China and around the world, I'm very Mm. proud of
0: that. What have you learned?
3: It's a good question. Uh, First of all, I've learned that isolation is a cancer. It's terrible. It's painful. It damages us. We human beings don't flourish when we're isolated from each other. This is a message that I think I've learned in a new way about people with intellectual challenges. Mm. Their isolation, which was before COVID and continues after COVID, we have to fight against that. We have to break down these walls of isolation. COVID damaged us. But it reminds us the importance of connection,
1: mm.
3: of being together. We have to make new efforts. You know, it's difficult for people. Sometimes they're, they're now they're thinking, oh, well, I'm tired. I don't want to go out. I don't want to volunteer. I don't want to get into sport and other activities. But we need the energy to, uh, to get us back, back. To get yes. back, yeah. So we need that shot in the arm. And I think our athletes will inspire people to say, look at them. They're up. They're out. They're engaged again, they're making a difference. Maybe it's time for me too.
0: They're absolutely inspiring to say the least. But you know it's not just about coming back or resuming. Yeah. It's actually a lot of the time relearning, isn't
3: it? It's relearning but it's also learning something new. Mm -hmm. I don't think we want to go back to where we were before. Where we were before there were many barriers in schools to children with intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. Where we were before there were many barriers to good health care for people with intellectual disabilities. There were many barriers mm-hmm. to employment. So now we're, we have a fresh start. Let's break down those walls. Let's not go back. Let's go forward to a more inclusive and a more joyful set of relationships. And I think Special Olympics can help with that. Uh, we can engage people, volunteering in unified. Our goal here is to expand inclusive sport, mm-hmm. sport for children with and without intellectual disabilities, playing together mm-hmm. on the same team in schools all over China. What a miracle it would be to have thousands of schools that have sports programs for children who don't have disabilities, blended with those who have disabilities in the Special Olympics Unified Sports uh, Program. At the community level, this would be a miracle.
0: You, know, you met earlier with the uh, Special Olympics athletes uh, in China. Yes they are both inspiring you know what is it like for you to interact with these people like real people that are making an effort to you know bring them out of the old circumstances and also bring everybody else together
3: well I'm uh, you know I'm endlessly inspired by the bravery of the athletes of Special Olympics Mm. I'm endlessly inspired by the courage they have to always take a chance Mm. on each other you know, these are people who typically have suffered great discrimination, and yet they almost always come with open arms. Mm. Wouldn't it be have great if our political leaders did yet. that? Wouldn't it be great if, when political leaders find themselves confronted by adversity, they open their arms to the adversity and said, "Let me understand. Let me welcome. Let me find ways to overcome uh, this adversity." Wouldn't that be a good response instead of what we typically see? So, I mean. Well, the political leaders might say, well, they are doing just the sports
0: competition. Of course, they could do that. But we are in a political rivalry, they might argue.
3: Yeah, they might, but they'd be, I think, misguided to not realize that they're also involved in trying to build a team, uh, a global team. They're not only fighting, a political battle they're actually trying to lead nations cities provinces regions states to bring people together around mm. common goals whether the goals are economic goals or political goals or military goals or environmental goals or educational goals you know for big goals you need everybody mm. the wise political leader tries to find ways to bring everybody uh, into the work of accomplishing great tasks
0: that's also what i want to ask you tim how have you managed, I mean, both from your mother's generation, and now your generation, to bring all of these people together? I mean, if you look at volunteers, hundreds and thousands of them around the world, they're so devoted, yeah. not even a penny
2: That's involved.
0: Right. That's right. And even during the pandemic, they are still contributing. You know, how are you trying to build this international community? It's amazing. Maybe they can learn something from you.
3: Yeah. Well, look, I think we all, have just beneath the surface a desire for peace and understanding. Sometimes we hide it, you know, because we're ready for the, for the battle. But right beneath the surface, there's a tender side to each of us. The Special Olympics movement invites that out. Says so this is safe here. Bring your heart. Bring your compassion. Bring your joy. Uh, we, we, we will welcome it in mm. this movement. We won't judge you. We won't uh, be cynical. We'll be hopeful here. So the Special Olympics movement has created a safe place for hope and compassion Mm -hmm. and progress. And when you create that, people come in droves Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, they see this is who I really want to be. This is a movement for volunteers who want to be their best selves. Mm -hmm. And that's millions and millions and millions of people. The only limitation we have is just creating a community big enough to welcome everyone Mm -hmm. who wants to join.
0: I know you are a GS setter traveling around the world trying to talk to governments, to businesses, to all the stakeholders that you can incorporate into this movement. You know, tell me more about this change of strategy you have to use these days, so to speak, to talk to these people because the circumstances have changed.
3: Well, I think there's a a big hunger in the world right now for strategies that address issues, we call them diversity Mm. or equity or inclusion. Uh, Many companies have new strategists for inclusion Mm. and diversity. The pandemic revealed to many, many people that there are lots of inequities and barriers uh, to inclusion. So people are now open to the idea that we must prioritize diversity Mm. and inclusion and equity. That's good news. Mm that's an opportunity for us
0: and to make sure it's not just a decoration for business it's not
3: just a decoration not a check the box it's a meaningful change of strategy of supply chains of employment mm-hmm. practices of product design uh, the whole range of things so You know, uh, we have an opportunity now. If I were here 10 or 20 years ago to talk about uh, inclusion, most people would say, what does that mean? Mm. Today, everybody knows. At least they have a sense of what it means. So we have a big door uh, that's open. It's up to us to to walk through it and provide real substantive changes. So not just what can you do to check the box, but Mm. what can we do to change our schools, all of them. So that every child in China, or every child in India, or the United States, or Germany, or France, Mm -hmm. or Kenya, or Peru, it doesn't matter where, every child grows up learning to play and learn with their peers who have an intellectual disability. Why not every child? Mm -hmm. Why not every child growing up with inclusive play, inclusive sports, inclusive learning? It's a great opportunity for countries. Mm -hmm. So that's our message. Our message is let's do beyond the talk to the actions that will actually produce the kind of gains and changes we all want. Everybody, I mean, almost everybody wants these changes. It's just now a question of marshaling the will and the resources to make them come to life.
0: Mm. If I could have the humbleness to compare for example, your generation, the circumstances you're facing compared to your mother's generation. She's such a lovable person. A lot of people that I've been talking to, both within the Special Olympics movement and also people who know her, has been you know, saying very high words about her. Yes. But um, it seems that at that time, this is an organization, for example, based in the United States. At that time, the U.S. society is on the way up, one could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now there are a lot of doubts about where U.S. is going. And as a result, whether an international organization based in the U.S. started there, uh, will still have the persuasive power as they did before. How do you face you know, perceptions like this?
3: Well, we don't see ourselves as a organization that's relying on the persuasive power of uh, one country or another. We rely on the persuasive power of human dignity. Yeah. That's always been our message. If we were an American organization, we wouldn't have been accepted in Cuba or Russia or many generations ago in China or many other countries. So we're not an American organization looking to export American or United States uh, principles. We are a human organization, a humanitarian organization looking to build on humanitarian Mm. principles. Uh, the principle of human dignity universal human dignity no exceptions mm. the principle of inclusion of respect for human dignity and building communities of belonging the principle of competition and hard work to achieve mm. great uh goals for humanity mm. these are the principles on which we build uh i i don't worry about um changing geopolitical fortunes for individual nations mm. uh i worry about you know uh giving people uh, reason to hope. Mm. And that's our mission, and that's why our athletes are the best mm-hmm. leaders that I've met in the world, honestly.
0: Maybe they should come to see the Special Olympics, to understand the synergy between people.
3: I would, uh, the more people that see, the more people are changed. I mean, all of us in the Special Olympics movement, whether we're staff members, or leaders, or volunteers, mm. or sponsors, or friends, or government leaders, we've all been changed by the movement. We've had our hearts opened by the movement. We've had our minds opened by the movement. Mm. We've become more powerfully committed to human dignity because of the athletes. So uh, I always uh, ask people, just come once. Mm. Don't come for your whole life. Don't commit to a a year or even a month. Just commit to an hour. Come watch. Come shoot baskets. Come play football. (laughs) And then we'll see. Uh, uh, The change will, will come, I'm sure of it.
0: You're a very grounded person, I can feel that. When you're talking to the Special Olympics athletes, you know, uh, of course you're coming from an esteemed family. Every member almost of that family has been playing a constructive role of their time. So how do you see your you know, approach among all in your family and beyond? How do you cultivate your own approach? I think that's a very interesting question, isn't it?
3: Well, I have a wonderful family, and I have great uh, parents, brothers, yeah. sister, children, wife, cousins, <laughs> uncles, aunts, It's a big family. <laughs> grandparents. Yeah, it's a big family, yeah. uh, and I'm very proud. Yeah. You know, I was raised in a family that had a very strong faith, and I spent some time looking at the great traditions, mm-hmm. the wisdom traditions, and the, the faith traditions of the world. Mm-hmm. What they all seem to share is a message that to cultivate the inner voice is very important here in china the great traditions of uh, of teachers have always pointed to the power and the urgency of looking inward mm. for your center for your calm for your strength for your goodness i would say my advice is to um, look inward find your inner voice not just uh, not just your career or your economic growth goals those are very important or your relationship goals, but also uh, make sure you know who you are at your best.
0: What you did before in the high school yeah. and tried to put into curriculum also has a lot to do with what we need today. Yes. You see that people are very distracted, mm-hmm. but at the same time confused as to where the world is going. Yeah. And as a result of that, an individual uh, would be their fate. But I guess uh, it's very important to reflect back as to how we try to manage that over the decades. You know, we had a, the Cold War before. Yeah. We had a financial crisis before. Yeah. And we certainly have a different kinds of natural disasters before. Mm-hmm. So how have we managed, you know, during the, your work of the Special Olympics, I'm sure you have also been doing it step by step. So maybe you can help us to go through some of your past experiences to understand the importance of emotional connection yeah. and interaction?
3: Well, I think one of the most important things to realize is that when it comes to emotion, there are skills. Yes. It doesn't just happen to you. No. There are skills and there are practices, not just principles, not just ideas, but practice. So, you know, we, we, we created these curricula, as you point out, uh, what we call social and emotional learning programs. They're very useful for people of all ages. But of course right now
0: we saw some debates about that, saying, well, maybe they should be out of the curriculum.
3: Yeah, that's a mistake. Mm. <laughs> Misunderstanding, I should say. Mm. It uh, the, These curricula lead to improved test scores, they lead to improved behavior, yeah. they lead to improved relationships, they reduce uh, emotional distress. So. Uh, Yes, there's some debate, there always is, but for the vast majority of parents are starving for Mm. for this. We have a mental health crisis in children. Uh, Indeed. Anxiety, depression, even suicidal ideation all over the world. Young people struggling, anxious, fearful of the future. Let's teach them.
0: Particularly through the pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic
3: made it all worse. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not going to go away quickly. So we need to make it safe for children to learn how to manage that stress and how to reach out for help when they need it and how to build relationships of trust. You know, this is where the Special Olympics movement comes back. Right. We should start in schools because if you develop positive attitudes toward those who are different when you're 7 or 10 or 12 years old, you don't have to change your attitude when you're our age. You know, we don't have to do a whole campaign to change attitudes. Why not have a massive global movement to build positive attitudes mm. and then we don't have to really worry about changing them when people are adults mm. they will grow up with the kind of positive attitudes that can lead to the uh, kind of more just and, and trusting and hopeful future that our children deserve
0: mm. have we lost that ability
3: no it's under stress it's a difficult time but we haven't lost the ability it it lies just beneath the surface waiting to be awakened the job of leaders when I was a kid, and I looked to leaders, I saw people who wanted to inspire people to be their best, not scare people into being their worst. We need leaders who can inspire us to be our best. Human beings will respond.
0: I saw you listen to the Special Olympics athletes very closely. Mm-hmm. You even asked them about how they've been doing and training over yeah. the past <laughs> few years. You are having great listening capabilities. Thank you. I want Try. the magic remedy, <laughs> how to make that happen. Well, putting jokes aside, really listening has become such an important skill these days, yeah. whether it's Special Olympics movement or our world today.
3: I think there is a human tendency to look at someone else and judge based on the cover.
0: First of two seconds already. There's,
3: that's right. There's, there's, a, there's the old expression of judging a book by its cover. We judge each other by the cover. I think the real gift is to suspend judgment. Mm. Remove, just even for a moment, the judgment. You are this, or that, or this, and just spend, be present long enough to see who the person really is at their, Deepest core. If we can develop the eyes to see like that, I think we'd all be happier.
0: Absolutely inspiring. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Tim. That's my interview with Tim C. Schreiber from the Special Olympics. That's all the time we have for today. In the future days, we're going to bring you special reports from the Asian Games in Hangzhou. On behalf of my team in Hangzhou and Beijing, I'm Ken Wade. Bye for now.
1: Once upon a time, in a land not so very far away… Stories were told of the brave and the bold. The whole court fell silent to hear what the great warrior Mulan might ask for. Of mighty deities and powerful immortals. Immediately, the shimmering skin started to grow before his eyes. Of fated love, and love sanctified. In dawn's golden light, New Lang said, Marry me. Of great journeys across fantastical landscapes. So the cat and the mouse climbed on the dog's back, and the dog swam across the broad river In the company of friends, and enemies, and unimagined beasts. Good to see you. Of ordinary folk with tantalizing stories to tell. Heroes and heroines all.
3: It's incredible. How did you do that?
1: Tales of sad sacrifice and victories snatched from the jaws of defeat. Stories of the wise, the accomplished, and the quick of mind. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there.